Last time I ministered, whenever that was, I talked to you about the way through or the way out was by walking in the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you today a little bit more of that about living by the Spirit, but how to feed your spirit. It is important that we learn how to feed our spirit. If you're a young Christian, you need to be in firm foundations learning these principles, how to feed your spirit, how to feed your spiritual man so that you can be successful in the Lord. The Lord wants us to be successful, fruitful for his glory. And if you, if you never learn and don't take the time to establish these principles in your life, you, you may find a way, but it's going to be the rough way and the long way. And we want to help expedite that in your life. So if you're a relatively new Christian or you never got a good foundation, you need to probably attend or consider attending Firm Foundations during one of the, the school of ministry classes. So, Or if you are an older Christian, if you've been a Christian 95 years, if we don't do what I'm going to minister to you continually, faithfully, every day, we slip. Like the belt on your car, it slips and squeaks. Some of you squeaking. Some of you need to tighten up that spiritual belt. And uh, we, it's, it's a challenge for all of us. That I, find, I find that Christians have the most difficult time being consistent to the Lord day in, day out. When you have a service like this, this is wonderful what God's done already this morning. It's wow. I mean, that's why we call it wow. It's wow. The Lord is wow. But sometimes it's not always like you just experienced this morning, is it? Sometimes you work up, wake up and say, good morning, Lord. It's good, Lord. It's morning. I've had those days. Sometimes you wake up and say, I don't feel like reading the Bible. I don't feel like praying. I'm too busy. I got too busy. I got too much going on. We all wake up like that. I wake up like that sometimes. Not often, but I've just had to say, shut up, flesh. I have to talk to myself. I have to do some spiritual self-talk. Shut up, flesh. You're going to do what's right because it's right. You're going to do it's right, and I'm sitting there staring at black, black ink on white paper, sometimes a red, if Jesus is talking, and I, and I just have to sit there and read until I break through, and that's why I'm very intentional now about reading the Bible through in a year, because when I discipline myself to do that every day, and the days that I can't do it because I'm here very early for prayer times and don't get a chance to spend that type of quiet time with the Lord, I have to make up those days, not because I punch a card with the Lord and say, Lord, I got to catch up. I need that word in me. I need that word in me. I need that correction. I need that encouragement of the word of God in me. It's the Logos word, but when you read it and the Holy Spirit takes a hold of you, it will become a rhema word, which is alive for your spirit. It may be only one verse out of reading several chapters. But it's, it, it comes alive to you. Almost all of us battle in some measure with an unwanted behavior, which often has plagued some of us, either most of or all of our lives. Now, don't raise your hand. You just look straight forward, and nobody will know I'm talking about you and me. And the verse that we're looking at in this message today that builds hope and faith for us is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. All of us face temptation. It might come in various forms, intensities, but we're all going to face temptation. But the good news, it says, God is faithful. Will you say that out loud? Because you need to hear it. God is faithful, isn't he? Praise him for a minute for that. He's faithful. Praise God. Lord, you are. You don't lie. You can't lie. You're not going to lie. 
And it also said not only is he faithful, but he's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, I'm not going to stop and preach on every piece of this verse, but God, God's not the one that tempts us. We're tempted by our own flesh, giving opening doors to the enemy, and the devil t- tries to take advantage of us to disqualify us, to get us to disqualify ourselves. The devil can't do anything to you except for what you allow him to do to you. That's why Paul says give no place to him because when you give place to him, then he moves in. And he moves in all the other, all the other little idiot demons want to move into and, and attack. And, and, and when, you, when you start to fail, they just compound things for you. So it's like a domino effect in your spiritual life. But God won't let you be tempted. He does test us to see what's in our heart, but he doesn't tempt us because he, know, he knows we couldn't handle it. He, and he won't tempt you beyond what you can bear. I said in the last time I preached, uh, trucks and, and trailers, big rigs, they have a label. Watch next time you follow one. Don't tailgate. Don't draft with them, but just watch. And they have a, they have a, they have a label. They have a, a plaque on, on the back, and it says load limit. And it'll tell you how many pounds or tons that they're entitled or they're legally uh, can bear or carry. And that's what that word means, that you can bear, that you can carry. It's saying that God has stamped on us somewhere. I don't know if it's our backside or not. I don't know where it is. But God has, for every temptation you go through, every trial, there is a load limit that God knows how much you can carry or you can bear. And the promise is, here's the good, wonderful news today. The promise is, He's not going to let you be tempted to beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, now notice he didn't say if. We're going to be tempted. He said, but when you are, he, God, will provide a way through or a way out so that you can endure it. To be human is to be tempted. No matter how weak you may feel or how deep you may feel like the enemy's claws have been set into you, the promise is God is faithful. He'll not allow you to be tested or tempted beyond what you're able to bear, but will make a way of escape. The reality of it is we all probably could bear temptation for a, a period of time, short period of time probably, be able to resist. But eventually, if it's long-term or intensifies, we find ourselves getting weak. And when we get weak, we end up doing something we promised ourselves in God. So, you know, you've, you've, you've lived that life. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. You're successful for a while, but it keeps going. You know, Daniel, the book of Daniel said, in the end times that Satan, the enemy, his attack, his attempt is to wear down the saints. How many of you feel like you're being worn down? Yeah, that's his, that's his object. Wear us out, wear us down. It's not just one temptation we're typically dealing with. They're like lined up. And while we're dealing with one, two more prop up, and you say, I had that kind of week this week. I won't begin to illustrate this week. I had that kind of week this, that I had that kind of week that felt like a year this past week. Everything I did didn't work. Everything I tried to do for the kingdom hit an obstacle, hit a hindrance, maximum frustration. I didn't handle all of it well. I didn't handle all of it as successfully as I'd like to. But Sylvia reminded me something. She said, you know, you pray and you repent, and you will get another opportunity to try at it. You're going to get another opportunity. So what, wherever we may have failed or fallen short, you repent of it. You ask for forgiveness. You let the blood of Jesus cleanse it away. And you just, you just pick up where you are, and Lord, help. I'm weak. 
So over time, we, we kind of fight things and we, you know, why are we so weak in this area or in specific areas of our life? If we were to ask people, you know, what's happening, sometimes they would say, well, I really didn't want to gamble again or I didn't want to lust again or I didn't want to go there again. I didn't want to, I didn't want to eat what I'm not supposed to eat, but somebody showed up and they gave me a gift or, or you know, all of a sudden it popped up in the office and there it was and, and uh, I, I just couldn't resist because I'm weak. We say we're weak. Well, why is it that our spirit can be willing, but our flesh so many times is so weak? Our flesh is weak because we're not bonded or connected to what makes us strong. Can I, that's simple, but can I say that again? Our flesh is weak because we're not properly bonded or connected, or the word biblical word for it, we're not abiding in what will make us strong. And we're not abiding in that vine where we get our spiritual strengths from. When we get and stay connected with the one, with the one who can strengthen us and make us spiritually strong, then we were able to consistently, and that's the key to the Christian life, consistently live a fruitful and strong spiritual life. So the question that we want to look at today, I want to look at with you today and invite you to look at with me today, is how can you and I stay spiritually strong so that we can withstand the weaker moments of our flesh because they come. They come. The weak moments come. So there's three things I want to share with you this morning. I want to get to them, uh, deal with them, but yet quickly in a quick manner. If you are or you want to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ, there are some things in your life, and these three things are key elements. You're have to gun, you're going you're have to gonna. You're going to have to do these things in a radical way in your life for you to be spiritually strong over our fleshly desires. The first one is feed your spirit with prayer. And don't don't just say, "Oh, I've heard this before. I know about prayer." We know about prayer, but we do do we do prayer? Do we pray? Prayer is not just something you punch a little checklist with God. So it said, uh, I prayed my prayer, Lord, keep us safe. Lord, bless us today. Lord, guide us today. Keep us from accidents on the road. Bless my children in school. Lord, don't let them do something stupid. Don't let them get in trouble today. Bless my husband. You know, bless his work. Bless his job. That's prayer. But there's more to prayer than that. Prayer is intimacy with God. Prayer is God wanting you and I not to punch a card. Prayer, prayer things happen in our life to cause us to depend upon God. Now, I, I tried this in the first service, and it didn't go very well, but how many of you want your children to depend upon you? I'm not talking about when they're 55 and 60 years old, okay? I'm not talking about some of you that scared some of you right there said, no, no, no. They're still bringing the grandkids over to me. They're still bringing their utility bills over to me. You know, they don't, they don't ask for a loan. It's still, give me, Dad, give me, Mom, right, right? See, I don't have kids, but I know how they operate. How many of you want your children to depend upon you? Though? Really, you want them to depend upon you. You want them to trust you? Boy, you guys are scared. He said, no, 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 If a parent were to want their child to depend upon them, just if, it would, that is what God the Father's like. He wants you to depend upon him. He doesn't need us. He can coexist without us, but he chose not to live through eternity without us. Isn't that? That's amazing. He wanted companionship. That's what prayer is. That's what prayer is. It's companionship. It's fellowship with him. It's intimacy with him. 
And the reason it's so vital in our life that you feed your life with prayer is just, now I know we're not all into exercising in the gym or riding a bike, you know, or doing something like that. I know we're all not there. I know that. I'm backslidden from that right now. I got to get back with it. I'm backslidden. You know, I go through these seasons. I backslide from it, and then I get, I sit there, and I look at it at home, go, that thing calls me, said, come here, and I'm going, not today. Leave me alone. I rebuke you today. But just like physical exercise makes the body strong, that's what prayer does for our spirit. That's why God told us to pray and call out and depend upon him. That's why Yeshua, Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said, watch and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. So you won't fall into temptation. He said, Jesus said this, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And it is, isn't it? Our flesh is weak. Come on, admit it, it's weak. It doesn't do what it wants. It does what it wants to do. It fights our spirit. That's what Romans tells us. The flesh fights the spirit. The spirit fights the flesh. They're at odds. They're at enmity between each other. It takes that constant. We don't hear it preached enough today. It takes that constant dying to ourself, dying to our flesh. Paul said, I die daily. If you're not dying daily, you're probably not following the Lord as closely as you should. Ouch, that hurt. When Jesus was teaching the 12 to pray and the 11 good ones, he told them to pray this prayer, lead us not into temptation, but set us free or deliver us from evil. Prayer and dependence on God, it's a tool, a weapon, actually, that God, that's why the Holy Spirit directed us to come down here and pray for your kids, grandkids, and greats, and beyond that if you got them. It's a weapon to assist us in not falling into temptation and evil. We're covering them. We're covering ourselves. Everyone who says, well, I fell into temptation or I fell into immorality, but you never hear anybody say, well, I fell into righteousness. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that. You don't walk along and trip into a holiness life of following the Lord. It just doesn't happen. You trip and fall into temptation, but living a life for the Lord, it's only through an intentional pursuit of the righteousness of God. It's, it has to be very intentional. It doesn't just happen. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before going to the cross, he knew what he would be facing. He knew it. He knew the agony of the Roman type of death, crucifixion. He knew they were going to beat him within an inch of his life. They knew, he knew that they were going to nail him to the cross and that. But I think the worst part that Jesus knew he was going to face was separation from the fellowship with God the Father. For Jesus cried out on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm the one that where Adam failed, I'm the one that successfully obeyed your every wish and command and your perfect will. Why have you forsaken me? That was the human Jesus crying on the cross. That was the Jesus that's just as human as you and I sitting here right now today. He did that as a human being, as a man, a human. The garden was the greatest test that Jesus ever faced. The temptation in the wilderness was pretty rough. Fasting for 40 days, the devil coming and tempting him. We'll look at that in a minute. But this was the real temptation. Actually, this is where Jesus really died, was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He died to his will. He died to himself, his human will. And, and, he, and before he ever was nailed to the cross, he was weak, so he prayed. He had told his disciples, pray that you don't enter in or fall into temptation. He took his own advice. Jesus took his own advice and prayed. He said in Mark 14, he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Jesus wasn't an unhappy, sorrowful person. Jesus, I believe Jesus exhibited and lived in the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, 
mercy, temperance, goodness. I believe Jesus, I believe Jesus was happy. I think even when Jesus was confronting people that were giving him a hard time, Jesus didn't have hatred in his heart. He had love in his heart towards them. He was strong and he rebuked them, but that was to help wake them up if they were wakeable. If they were wakeable, yeah. I guess that's a new word, I don't know. Uh, so Jesus said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. So he said, stay here and watch. There it is, stay here and watch. And then he went and he cried out, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. In other words, he was saying, Lord, is there not a plan B or C? All things are possible for you, Lord. Is there not another way that we can accomplish the redemption of humankind rather than me having to go through what I'm going to go through, the beatings, the nailings, but most of all, the separation from you? Jesus never knew what it was to be separated from the Father's connection, presence. Never, he never knew that. From all of eternity, he'd already always been there. He never knew that. But we see in Habakkuk that God said, God is of pure eyes to even look upon iniquity. And we know that in Isaiah, it tells us that literally God turned his back, so to speak, as his son hung there alone because your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole world were laid, placed upon him. And Isaiah tells us that. God the Father, here's me, here's me and my sins, here's Jesus. God the Father took my sins, laid them on Jesus. That means I could go free. I could be forgiven. Now the potential sin, my sins were paid for by Jesus. I don't have sins anymore. Jesus paid for them. Still have the ability to sin, but hopefully choose not to. Jesus is praying there, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. What cup? The cup of suffering, the cup of separation. But then Jesus came to the bottom line. As a faithful son, he said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. That's the kind of prayer that you and I need to be praying in order to live a successful Christian life. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. He was so weak as a human being. We can never forget as a human being, Jesus went through that. He was tempted in every manner, in every fashion, just like you and I. So to the point that Luke twenty two forty three records, he was so weak that after he prayed that and surrenders to the will of God, an angel came and strengthened him. I don't know about you, I've been through some rough places, but I've never had an angel come and strengthen me. I've had my wife try to strengthen me and say words, and I've had other people, you know, try to talk to me and strengthen me, but I've never had an angel come and strengthen me. What I'm saying is the magnitude of what Jesus was going for, it required an angel to come strengthen him. Somebody from heaven had to come say, hey, this is the will of God. You know, it's just going to be temporary for a while. Uh, you're you're going to, for the joy set before you. I think, the, I, think the, I think heaven knew the word of God, even though it wasn't written yet in Philippians, that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the suffering on the cross. Heaven knew the plan. They had to come maybe, maybe just refresh Jesus on it, maybe just encourage him on it. But here's the key for you and I today to take away from that what Jesus experienced. Lord, help me, Holy Spirit. The key for us is when you and I are submitted to the will of God, we're stronger to resist the temptations. But when you're determined to do your own will, to have it your own way, for it to work out your own way, you're out of the will of God. And when you're out of the will of God, you're an open target for the enemy to mislead you, to misdirect you, for you to do your own thing and fail to bring glory to God. When we're submitted to the will of God, we're stronger to resist temptation. When we're not submitted, we're weak. 
So we need to be praying, Lord, I submit my mind to you, my eyes to you, my ears to you, my mouth to you, my heart to you, my hands and feet to you, my whole life to you. Where do you get that from? Romans 6. <clears throat> Romans 6, 11 through 14. This, when I discovered Romans 6, it helped me so much to understand what my part to be a daily Christian and be successful was. Before that, I was just trying and it wasn't going very well. So Romans 6, verse, the whole chapter is wonderful. I encourage you to read the whole chapter, but for time's sake and for the essence today, verses 11 through 14, the admonition from Paul through the Holy Spirit there is, likewise, you also, he's pointing the finger, you, you also, you-ins, me-ins, we-ins, us-ins, they-ins, you also. He says, consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin. That consider yourself, in the other translations, it's reckon yourself. It is an accounting term. It is an accounting term that means that now that Jesus has paid for your sins, your account is emptied of sin. You're now free from sin and the power of sin to serve the living Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he said. Consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin. Well, that's the negative part. But alive to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That in itself is enough for you and I to praise God and thank God for that we're dead to sin because of the price Jesus paid for and we're now alive unto God through Jesus Christ. You may be sitting there thinking, well, hey, I'm not dead to sin. I'm still tempted. We're all tempted, but this goes on to tell us there's choices. One of my favorite words, it became my favorite word for me because that's what life is every day. It's choices. Whether you're a Christian or not, life is filled with opportunities and choices every day, probably hundreds of them. Maybe in even the thousands. I don't know. Depends on what's going on in your life. He said, consider yourself indeed dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, he said, the conclusion of that, because we're dead to sin, but we're alive in Christ. The conclusion of that is this. Do not let or allow sin to reign or rule in your mortal or earthly body. God didn't say, I will not allow it to rule or reign your earthly body. He said, you, take, you make the choice and you take the responsibility. See, that's what, that's what being a Christian is. We don't get saved or born again every day, but you do make a choice every day. Jesus, I'm going to let you rule and reign as Lord, and I'm going to surrender my flesh to you, and I declare your lordship today, and I'm going to follow your voice, and I'm going to do your will. That's our choice every day. Either you make that choice every day or you're ruled by the flesh and the enemy takes advantage of you. So it tells us, don't let it happen. Don't let sin reign rule in your earthly mortal body, in your human body. Listen to this, it gets better. And furthermore, how do you do So how do you do that? How do you not let sin reign in your body so that you would obey its lust? All of us are tempted. This is just not sexual lust. This is lust for the world, the flesh, the eyes, the, de- the whole thing, the world, the flesh, and the devil. I don't think I said that right, but anyway, it's good enough for now. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to misquote scripture. Then he goes on to say, do not present. Here's how you do it. Don't present or offer your members. What are your members? Eyes, hands, feet, nose, thinking, mind, all your body. Everything God created, put his life into, those are your members. So do not present or offer your members as instruments, vessels, tools of unrighteousness to sin. That's the negative. Don't do it. You make a choice. Don't do it. Be like Joseph. If you can't handle a sinful situation, run. Get out of Dodge. Get out of town. Leave your desk. You know, go to the bathroom and pray. Get outside. Take a walk. Take a praise break. 
Get away from those people. If you can't handle it, you better start praying. You better run. So he said, don't offer your members as instruments of righteousness to sin. That's the negative. But what do you do? You begin to present your members to God as being alive from dead because you are alive from dead. You say, well, I'm wrestling. I'm battling. But see, that's proof that you're alive because there's a battle going on. When Satan had you, there wasn't no battle. You just did it. But now there's a battle. You know what's right, but your flesh is pulling on you. You just get, listen, I'm telling you, there's, there's times you just say, flesh, shut up. I'm up here worshiping sometimes, and things are going through my mind. I'm going, flesh, shut up. This is not the time or the place to deal with that problem, that issue, that challenge, that person, that whatever, whether it's me or somebody else. This is not the time or the place. God gets the attention and the focus and the glory. And there's times in your everyday life. There's times in your devotional time. There's times when you're reading the Bible, the devil comes to you and says, Oh, what about the dryer? You left the clothes in there. You left the wet clothes in the washing machine. You better get up and go down there and do it, especially with warmer weather coming or they're going to mildew and stink and you've got to wash them all over again and you're going to waste all that water and waste all the detergent. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The devil, I mean, he'll give you a whole lineup of, you better go do this now. You better make that phone call now. You better do this now. Oh, yeah, what about the car? You need to make an appointment for the oil to be changed or, or you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to call this person. Shut up! Shut up. This is my time with the Lord. He's first. He's first. He, you can only have one first place like Ray told us. That's why I do keep a little pad or use my phone and make a note as quick as I can. Oil. Call oil. Call car oil. Or whatever I got to do. Call somebody. Do it. Write it down because the, then, then the devil says, well, you're never going to remember this, so you better just get up and do it. Anybody there? Anybody fight this kind of? You better just get up and do it. I know Norman and I are there. You better just get up and do it now. No, this is God's time. Well, you're not going to remember it. And then you struggle to try. Just write it down. Write it down and get back to the business with God. It's okay. Just tell the flesh, shut up. We're not dealing with that now. It's God's time. And when, and when we're tempted, when we're tempted, listen. The devil's not your worst enemy. You are. You are. It's only, the devil can only do what you allow him to do. I don't know if I said it already in this service or not, but that's why Paul said don't give place to him. Because if you open up and give place to the devil, honey, he's barging in. He's coming in. He's bringing demons with him. He's bringing all he can gather to come in against you. Well, the saying is if you give the devil an inch, he'll become the ruler. So he said don't present your members to sin and unrighteousness, but present your members to God. There's times you just need to take a praise break, tell your flesh, shut up. I, I, I say, you know, when temptation comes to me, I say, I say, here's how I address it. I tell my flesh, I said, flesh, you shut up. You come into line, you bring every thought into captivity into the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when I got that, I say, now, devil and every demon, you get out of here. You shut up. And I silence you in the name of Jesus. And I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. James 5, I think we established in the first service, James 5, 7 or something like that. says 4, 7. Thank you. Wrong address. Just testing you. <laughs> says, submit yourself to God. You can finish it. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. A lot of us just tried to resist the devil. And he ain't going nowhere. He ain't budging. You know why? You've not submitted yourself to God first. 
When you submit yourself to God, what does that mean? Crawling on the ground as a worm before God submit? No, that's not what it means. It means submitting yourself to God, coming to alignment with His will, His plan for your life, His plan according to His word for you, to live a righteous, godly life, to honor the Lord, to love people, forgive people, live at peace with all people as much as possible. All those principles in the word. When you submit yourself to God, you have spiritual ground and authority. You say, Satan, I'm a child of God by the blood of Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I'm doing my best to serve the Lord. There's no sin. There's no known sin in my life. So therefore, I resist you in the name of the Lord, and you got to go. And when you have properly submitted yourself to the Lord, the devil says, yeah, the blood of Jesus has cleansed you, and I can't touch you. All he can do is buffalo us and try to get us to make a wrong move so that we will disqualify ourselves. Don't blame the devil. He's there, and he's the tempter. But it's you that gives place and opens the door. You need to be radical against your flesh. So he says, don't present your, your members or offer your members as instruments of unrighteousness sin, but do present your members to God as being alive from dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Thank God for the grace. Secondly, oh, I've got to hurry. This is, that's too long. The word. We uh, feed ourselves through prayer. I'm sorry, through prayer. Secondly, we feed ourselves with God's word. I know that's a no-brainer to us that's been a Christian a long time, but do you feed yourself from God's Word daily? Is it just a Sunday thing? Is it just a Wednesday thing? Just a whenever-you-feel-like-it thing? Psalm 119, 9 through 11. I know this verse is specific, but it applies to everybody here. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Boy, that's a question for today, isn't it? How do you stay right with God? How do you stay not tempted by all the lust by all the lusts, not only sexual, but all the other lusts that are out there. Lust, greed for money, lust, greed for fame and popularity. Everybody wants to be a YouTube star, you know, and all that junk stuff. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? It answers it by living according to your word. It's not something you read to grain brownie points to the Lord. I've read your word today, God. Do you like me anymore? He already loves you so much that he gave his life for you. The answer is not how does a young person stay on the path of purity. The answer is not by living according to what your culture says is cool or fun. It's not by living according to whatever your friends are doing. And it's not by living according to what you see and read and hear others are doing. No. People will lead you in the wrong path. The Spirit of God won't. The Word of God won't. The rest of that verse 11 says, By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You and I have got to get this word, read it, study it, meditate on it, chew it up, get it in our mind first, then it gets in our spirit. See, this is a logos. This is the written word of God. It is, the tru it is truth. It is the word of God. But when you read it, the Holy Spirit takes it and illuminates it and makes it rhema to you. A rhema is a living word. A rhema is a word for you, that time, that moment, that season, whatever you're going through. A rhema given to you is a word from the Lord that will help you successfully overcome or press through or achieve the goal that you need to achieve in the Lord at that moment, that time in your life. That's the rhema. That's how it works. You've got to read the Logos in order for the rhema to be able to work and come active and come alive in you. You've got to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. You can't sleep with your Bible under your pillow 
or in between the pillowcase and your head. You're not going to get it that way. Some of you tried that with science and math at school. It don't work. You got to open it. You got to read it. You got to study it. Some of you guys are, some of us guys are trying to do that with our wife. The Bible says you got to study them. And son, it'll be a lifelong study trying to figure a woman out. But that's what it says to do. That our prayers aren't hindered. Should have been an ancient, I mean, uh, authentic manhood. Yeah, you need to go to ancient paths, but it should have been an authentic manhood yesterday. Okay. Jesus. How did Jesus fight it? as a human being? Now listen, Jesus was human. Just as human as every one of us sitting here right now. How did Jesus fight off the attacks of the devil? He was attacked big time. People attacked him. Satan used people to attack him. He used religious people to attack him. He even used some of his own disciples to attack him. Uh, the devil used his family to attack him. Even his own mama came to get him because his mother and brother thought he was crazy. You need to come home. You're Meshuggah. You're crazy. You need to come home. He said, hey, who's my mother and father? It's those that seek to do my will and follow me. Everybody attacked the Lord Jesus. How did he deal with it? He fought off the attacks by using the word of God. In Luke 4, when he was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, the enemy said, the devil said, turn these stones to bread and feed yourself. Jesus' response was, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Second temptation, bow down and worship me. The devil's always wanting worship. He is so jealous of what happened here today as worshiping God because he wants, experienced, and led that in heaven. He's lost it. He is an unemployed cherub, and he's mad, and, he doesn't, and that's why he tries to hinder you from worshiping, because your worship is your lifeline, and your worship is something he can no longer do. He can't come into the presence of the Lord like that in worship. He wants to be worshiped, and that was a, that was a trap. That was a temptation to, hey, just bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. He had the authority to do it because Adam and Eve gave him all the kingdoms of the world when they obeyed Satan instead of obeying the word of God. But Jesus' response was, no, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Third, Satan said, throw yourself down from this temple, this pinnacle, the angel. The, listen, the devil can quote the word better than you, and I can quote the word a lot of times. Cast you down from this temple, and the, the angels will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Psalms. Jesus said, no, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. That's not the way the Lord is going to be glorified with my life. We're not doing, we're not doing the dog and pony show to attract people. All of Jesus' words came from the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus used the word to fight Satan, to defeat Satan. You know, if Jesus had to do that, and you and I don't think we're going to have to use the word, you are deceived. We have to hide that word in our hearts so we don't sin against him. People say, well, I'm not good at memorizing the Bible. Really? Or memorizing, yeah, memorize. You seem to know every word of the songs that you listen to. You seem to remember all the stats of your favorite players and teams. Some of you are an encyclopedia on all that stuff. And then some of you, you seem to be able to keep up with all the trivia of things that are just carnal and not of eternal value that are going to next year not mean anything, next month not mean anything. You know, the truth is you're going to memorize what's important to you. You're going to memorize what's important to you. So feed yourself from the Word of God. And just as food strengthens our body, that living Word will strengthen our spirit. And it's so easy today to have the phone or have the Bible with you everywhere you go. It's on our phone, version. 
You can, I don't even remember how many versions there are in you version. If you don't like King James, there's New King James. If you don't like New King James, there's New King James Revised. If you don't like that, you got, you got umpteen others. Pick one. Read it. The point is read it and get it in your heart that you don't sin against the Lord. You've got some ammunition when the devil comes to tempt you and you've got ammunition against your own flesh. You cannot live a victorious life without the offensive weapon of the sword of the Spirit, God's Word. Third, feed your spirit with the right people. Feed your spirit with prayer. Feed your spirit with your words. Feed your spirit with the right people. Paul is very direct and not very politically correct. Thank God. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, he says, says this, Don't be misled, deceived, or connived. Bad company corrupts good character or morals. Come back to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. There's some people in your life today that are probably not the best and not good for you. They're taking you down spiritually because they don't like anything about Christianity. They down, they make fun, they're against the principles of the Scripture, they're against life, they're against living for the Lord, they're against the need for salvation. They don't think there's any sin, they don't think there's anything wrong with doing a lot of things that they do. They're, they're, they're just like, they're, the, they're not the Antichrist, but they're ruled and governed by the Antichrist spirit. It's time that you unhooked from them before they take you down. Because being around the wrong people never helps you do the right thing. It's amazing that you and I are the light and the salt of the world and we should be influencing culture, but most of the time we let culture influence us too much. The church has been influenced, the body of Christ, the people of God. We've been too influenced by the world and we need to be influenced as this. Some of you need friendship upgrades and to have a victorious life in Jesus you have to have others around you who sharpen, strengthen, and challenge you to live, to rise to new levels. We need people that will tell us the truth. We want them to speak the truth in love. But even if they don't speak the truth in love, speak the truth to us. Wake us up. We should speak the truth in love, but even if they don't, wake us up. The reason that many believers fall into temptation is they don't have someone to tell them the truth. And sin always grows in darkness. That's where sin grows. When there's no light, there's no revelation, there's nobody telling us, there's nobody that we're accountable to. We need the Lord to do that. So if you and I are going to walk, conclusion, if you and I are going to walk successfully as children of God, whether you're a young person, whether you've been a Christian 99 years, if you don't do these principles every day in your life consistently, and that's, that's the whole point of it, consistently in life. Listen, it takes discipline. It takes, it takes training. It takes disciplining our flesh to live a successful Christian life. Our flesh bucks against it and rears up against it, and I don't want to do that, and I don't feel like doing that. So what's the answer to that? You know it now. What's the answer? Shut up, flesh. You're going to do it because it's right. That's, all you, that's why you're going to do it, because it's right. You keep doing the right thing. God rewards faithfulness. God would rather have a person that's faithful rather than, the, rather than the person with the most gifts and talents and abilities in the world. God can take a person that's faithful and bless them with favor and, and give them all of the other. God would rather have a person that's faithful and consistent with him every day of their life. I know we're all tempted. All of us are tempted. You're not going to get out of this world without being tempted. You're not going to get out of this day without being tempted. 
When you leave here and get in traffic, you're not cutting in front of me. You don't use your turn signal. You're not getting in front of me. Go behind. Go behind the line. You're a violator. I fight that. I, that's why they had it created and put on a car. You turn. It's called an indicator. Turn indicator. You're indicating which way you want to turn so people will know what you're doing. And they can either let you in or at least be warned what you're fixing to do. Don't ride with your right turn indicator on when you're making a left turn. Uh, how do they get a license? How do they get one? Do you ask that question? Sylvia says, they can't hear you. And I said, no, but it feels so good to say it. She said, they can't hear you. And she said, I'm tired of hearing it. And I fuss at her when we turn it, make different turns. And she doesn't put her turn indicator on. I call her on the cell phone. I said, why don't you turn indicator on? Lord is so beautiful to us. He's so good. Lord, you, you long, you just long for a people, Lord, that not rules, not regulations, not to keep these three things as a code. Lord, a relationship that we so love you. We want to pray. We want to communicate. We love your word. We want to hide it in our heart. We don't want to offend you. We don't want to grieve you. Lord, we want to be, we want to bring glory to you. We want to bring honor to you. We want, Lord, the world, we want to be like David and others. They lived such a life that people saw your goodness and your reality through, through their life. And that's how it's going to happen. We are the epistles that are read and known by men, by others. You don't write in the sky. You do deal with people in dreams. But, Lord, we're the main way that you are revealed through our life, through our love, through our words. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Transform us. Conform us, Lord, not to live by rules and regulations, but to so be in love with you that we just want to be with you, not just on Sunday, not just on special times that we're together, but, Lord, at private, personal times when it's just you and us, just you and me. That, Lord, that we're so in love with you that we just offer ourselves. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, anybody that's here that's struggling with a sense of failure or condemnation, that's not you. You love them. You're merciful. You're long-suffering. You want to gather us, Lord, as a good father, as a good parent would, as a good one would. You don't brush us off. You don't slap us back when we fail or when we don't complete assignments properly or fully. Father, you're the, you're the good God that puts your arm around us and says, I love you. We can do better. And I will help you to do better if you'll let me help you. May we be able to receive, Lord, all that you have for us. That, Lord, today when we leave this place, this place of your presence here corporately. Lord, Holy Spirit, come and just work and begin to work a transformation in us. That we walk in your love, we walk in your peace, we walk in the power of your Holy Spirit and not in our flesh, Lord. We pray it, Lord, that your kingdom would be advanced, that your name would be known, that people would discover how good you are because you have blessed our life, Lord. That's our prayer. 
Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm going to invite our prayer teams, if they come, our prayer and ministry teams, whatever area that you're used to ministering in. That means all of you. That means counsel, your spouses, prayer teams, altar workers, AP, whatever, all of you. I'll let crews know. Well, I'll wait till tomorrow when they count this. Let them know what the amount is. It's You guys are phenomenal. This congregation's really blessed them. And, and I have to be careful saying this because we're not the only church that supports them, but they really, when things go wrong, they're, they're, they're right on the, they're right, they're real quick to what's at me. They said, you and, and they mean us as well because we all pray for them. They said, y'all pray for us. Y'all don't just, y'all pray for us. Y'all are there. And I don't know how many times that I'll WhatsApp him and text him and, and I'll say, Pastor, the Holy Spirit's timing is amazing. He said, you always text us right when we're going through something or about to go through something. I said, well, it's just the impression of the Lord to just drop you a line. It's not me, it's him. But thank you so much for your, your support for all these people that we've ministered to outside the nations and the nations. God just wants to do so much more to you. If you're hungry this morning, would you just join me in the altar and say, Lord, I'm just hungry for you. If you need prayer for physical situations or needs or whatever it is that you're welcome to come to, that's what we do. We'll pray for you. But if you just want to, Lord, I'm, I'm just hungry for you. I want to be so in love with you, Jesus. I want to love you with all my heart. And, you know, I, I have to admit, I don't really know how to love the Lord with all my heart. I've been asking, I said, Lord, help me. Help me to know how to love you better. Help me to know how to love you, Lord. Help me to know how to give something to you that's just not religion. That's just not what we always do. Love you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. Shut that little book Touch your people, Holy Spirit.